Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. On this Monday morning update to a story that we've been talking about for a couple months here on Wisconsin's Morning News. Before the end of last year, Eric and I started talking about this, the fiscal cliff that school districts across the state are, are towing up to. They're running out of room on the bluff, if you want to extend the analogy. Ooh, very good. Right? You like that? Yeah, I do. So the I answer... Mean, I don't, but I do. <laughs> right? you don't like, but you like the analogy. Yes. Right? The answer many uh, school districts across the state will present is going to referendum, asking taxpayers for millions of dollars in various referendum questions. MPS, the largest district in the state, on the heels of a similar referendum that voters just passed or approved in 2020... They're going back to the taxpayers for more. This time it'll be $250 million in a ballot question that will be on that ballot in spring. Many other districts are going to be doing this. But a really interesting piece. It may have populated in your, if you have a, the JS Online app, uh, that was actually written in the Green Bay Press-Gazette by Danielle Duclos. And I read you the headline already. If it seems Wisconsin school districts are asking voters for money more often, it's because they are. And then she... Kind of details a number of the things that, that we talked about, but laid it out really well. Here's the, here's the paragraph that I want to focus on. Estimated that a quarter of school districts in the state will put referendums on the ballot in 2024. And she cites Julie Underwood, a dean emerita with the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She focuses on education policy. More than 50 districts have already said they're putting at least one referendum on the ballot in 24. Many others are considering it. Hmm. Shared revenue. Hmm. Well, that's... The reason that we started talking about it was, one, to put it in front of you, because uh, you have now discovered this yeah, is happening my, in, in your my home district. doing it, yep. Uh, same thing where I live in Greendale, and some are still kicking it around, deciding, are we going to put this on the ballot or not? But just wanted to put it in front of folks, because this may be coming to a school district near you in the community that you live. But also because it's on the heels of this celebrated historic investment in education yeah. that we heard so much about at the end of the budget cycle in, in Madison what like by summer, we had passed this yeah, budget. It was a huge deal. Big both sides celebration. of the aisle. Yep, this is what we had to do. A couple of reasons that we've highlighted in the article goes into it as well. School state funding for schools have not kept up with the pace of inflation in more than a decade. It's probably closer to a decade and a half since two thousand nine. You also had COVID funds sort of plugging some of those gaps for school districts in the last several years. Those funds are drying up. Right. So you have that collision, and then special education funding from the state does not come close to covering the high cost of that duty that local districts have to provide. So even with that, quote-unquote, historic investment in education, school districts are now up against it. You can debate whether or not in every school district is different. So you may believe that your district and your community is fiscally responsible. You may disagree, and the, the funding packages are different regardless of where you go. But this is coming. And that interesting piece, again, the uh, writer of the piece is Danielle Duclos, writing in the Green Bay Press-Gazette. 6.15 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. After dominating the Pelicans on Saturday night, the Milwaukee Bucks are out in the Mile High City tonight to take on the Nuggets. The 32-14 and 14 Bucks will welcome in Doc Rivers to make his debut as the head coach tonight. 
something guard Damian Lillard is looking forward to. We all know what he what he brings. You know, we we heard his voice, him coaching other teams. You know, he's had success, played in his league. He played. He went to school in this city. Been around a long time as a coach. You know, he's coached a lot of great players. So I think it's you would have a hard time thinking of something that he hasn't experienced. You know, he's a, a strong a strong voice, and you know he's going to demand more from our team. Um, I think when you're dealing with a team that's full of vets and as talented as we are, uh, I think that's something that, that you need if you want to reach reach the level that we want to reach, and I think he's the perfect person for it. Milwaukee will look to begin their five-game West Coast road trip tonight with an 8 p.m. tip time in Denver. Buck shoot around. We'll get you ready right here on WTMJ beginning at 7 p.m. Over to the NFL where Super Bowl 58 is all set. The 49ers knocking off the Detroit Lions Sunday night 34-31. to at one point, the Lions led by as much as 17 points in the second half. Head coach Dan Campbell on why his team struggled down the stretch to end the game. Honestly, right now, I can't put my finger on that. That's not like us. You know, we had plays to be made that we just didn't make. We normally do. And so fourth quarter, you feel like we're going to get it back, and we just couldn't quite get over the hump. And we just, that hasn't been us all year. And it showed up today. Eric's the over there <laughs> smiling over Plays, there. <laughs> you had field goals you didn't take. That Not, was the issue. 27 unanswered points from the Niners to the Lions. They were up 24 to 7 at halftime. This is when analytics bites you in the you know what. When it, you think too hard about those spreadsheets and don't yep. actually play football. I guess you, but you could argue, though, that it got them there, right? Do you want to sure. start deviating now from your plan? But what does that mean? No. Right. I guess. I mean, clearly it didn't work. It did not work. On the other side, <laughs> on the other side, you two can stop me if you heard this before. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> heading back to the Super Bowl, his fourth appearance in his last five years. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like losing any any games. So every loss, I feel like, is tough. We always had everything we wanted in front of us, and we had that mindset. Coach Reed preaches that every single day we come into the building, and no one hung their head, and everybody was ready to go, and now we're going to the Super Bowl, and like I said, we're not done. Mahomes speaking there following the 17-10 win over Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. It'll be a rematch, Vince, from four years ago. Niners Chiefs, February 11th from Las Vegas. Coming up, we're going to learn more about the deadly attack on U.S. troops in the Middle East. We'll talk live with Karen Travers, ABC News White House correspondent, next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Three U.S. service members killed more than two dozen hurt in the Middle East following a suicide drone attack. I want to get right to ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers, who's live with us from Washington this morning. Karen, good morning. The U.S. officials say this was an attack on a U.S. base border between Jordan and Syria, and they believe it came from increasingly bold militants backed by Iran. Drone into the base where some 350 Army and Air Force personnel are housed, and the result was tragic, devastating. Three American service members killed, at least 34 injured, and eight of those injuries were so serious that the Americans were quickly evacuated so that they could get a higher level of care. The president yesterday was in South Carolina. He got two national security briefings on this, and at a public event, he commented on this and said, we lost three brave souls in an attack on one of our bases. He called for a moment of silence. And then after that, he said, we shall respond. Now, in terms of what that response is, the president in a paper statement said, we will hold all those responsible to an, to account at a time and in a manner of our choosing. But no details, no surprise on what that would look like. But that is going to be a big topic of conversation at the White House briefing today, no doubt, about what the U.S. would do has the U.S. response to these Iranian proxy attacks so far been not enough, as some members of Congress have been saying, and what should come next in order to stop this? 
Yeah, and, and Karen, we've hit targets in response to other mm-hmm. attacks in both Yemen, in Syria. Mm-hmm. What about the prospects of going right right at Iran? Yeah, and, and, you know, the response so far to the more than 160 Iranian proxy attacks on Americans in Syria and Iraq, it's been limited. It's largely striking storage facilities, trying to go after the uh, means of carrying out these attacks. The Pentagon has long had options for striking Iran itself. Now, Iran today is denying that they had any role in this attack, uh, saying that these accusations are baseless, that the militant groups don't take orders from Iran, and Iran does not want to start a war here. But there is, of course, growing pressure to strike back and to strike back hard. But notably, uh, Martha Raddatz, ABC's Martha Raddatz, had an interview with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff just days before the attack. And she asked him, like, what do you say to the critics who say that the U.S. is not being tough enough on these militants, not being tough enough on Iran? And General Brown said he would ask, do they want a broader conflict? Do you want us in a full-scale war? He said the administration, the U.S., does not want to go down a path of greater escalation that drives into a much broader conflict in the region. Karen, do we know anything more about the American soldiers involved? Not yet. I think that would be details uh, that mm. we we'll probably not get today. Tomorrow we'll see once, uh, you know, uh, of course, there's just so many personal right. uh, notifications and things that have to take place. Talking with ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers at the White House. One final thing here on this, too, Karen. This this comes at a time when there seems there could be the prospects of a brokered peace, temporary as yeah. it may be, in Gaza. Does this hurt that effort or it affect it in any way? Yeah, and it's a good question, you know, of like, can you have these two separate conversations happening where the United States is taking action, as the president said, for those responsible for this, while also carrying on these very delicate and serious uh, negotiations to enact a longer term pause in order to get the hostages out and get more aid into Gaza. White House officials will say, yes, you can do those two things at the same time. Now, whether this complicates that, I think, remains to be seen. But that is absolutely something that will be asked today at the White House briefing, for sure. Karen Travers at the White House for us this morning. Thanks, Karen. Have a great day. And Eric, your question was an important one. It just right, it takes time for right, these yeah, families yeah. to be notified and, and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we expect more information on um, which soldiers or, or troops of any kind were injured in this and, of course, uh, are military dead as well. News about your money this morning. WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Market Update. Dow Jones Industrial Average closed Friday up about 60 points to 38,109. The Nasdaq fell 55 to 15,455. And the S&P 500 was down to 4891. That was off just a few points. Annex Comprehensive Wealth. Annex Private Client. Annex Ignite. Financial planning at every level. Details at AnnexWealth.com. Six forty three, Wisconsin's morning news. I guess if you bother to have license plates, <laughs> which a lot of folks around here don't seem to, uh, you have an un- maybe another choice on yes. the horizon. It's being considered anyway and proposed uh, a blackout license plate in Wisconsin. So what does that mean? It's just a plate that's entirely black. You can't see anything. I'm kidding. That's not what it is. It's, <laughs> it's black with white. We also already have that. <laughs> it's white uh, numbers and lettering. So it's just a black plate, white numbers and lettering, and it says Wisconsin on the top of it. Now, the Journal Sentinel has a story about it today. Apparently, they have these plates in Iowa and Minnesota, and they're super popular. In fact, the paper says they've generated more than $30 million in revenue Why? in just, Iowa. Just it's a nicer, I, cleaner look. Well, so that's what I, I kind of figured that, or maybe it matches a car better. 
You know what I mean? Depending on what your play looks like, it okay. might look, it might just blend into your look car. cooler. Yeah, I guess so. I kind of don't even notice the license plate. But the paper goes into great detail about how it has to do with like nostalgia. It's a throwback design, says one of the proposed lawmakers behind it. Embraced by other states, adds a touch of nostalgia and individuality to our vehicles. Well, it is very simple. Yeah. There aren't pictures of anything on there. There's not a whole bunch of stuff. And Were you surprised by the number of specialty plates we apparently have in Wisconsin when you saw that number? There are more than 50. I would have guessed a dozen. Yeah, me too. Maybe 15. Brewers, Packers, Bucks, and then you got like Children's Wisconsin has a plate. Yeah, there's a Mac there's Fun Wolf one. plate and mm-hmm. you know, a couple other things. Yeah, no, 50. <laughs> Probably a fish plate of some kind, right? So this one looks, if you're trying to figure out what this one looks like, it's kind of like the Elkhart Lake one. You know, that one's got like the actual track okay, yeah. on it. That's similar to what this one will look like. It just will be no other design, just black. And where plate. does the money go? That just goes into state DOT coffers then, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, just like all the other specialty plates. Right. So, yeah, it's it's not a done deal. It's going to take some time to figure this out and it has to be approved. The whole legislature doesn't have to get behind it, but it's still a long process. I don't know why should it be that long. I'm glad I'm glad the legislature doesn't have to vote on this. The hundred plus members <laughs> of the assembly and senate and floor debate and whatever. I don't care. Just put a plate on your car. I, would I you? just need confirmation <laughs> that they actually can still read the actual numbers because yes. everything likes to rub off around here. All these plates rub off. So the same thing happened with these silly plates. Six forty five. Brandon's got sports next. At 6.53 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Was it Saturday we got like a taste of sun? Like it was yeah, trying, it was, it was nice. working so hard to peek out. <laughs> got a little bit. Little a little flavor. vampires. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Go away, you giant orb. Yeah. <laughs> strange, strange weather. So I want, do you have gas in your house? Gas stove? Mm-hmm. Yep. I was electric stove like forever. And I remember as a kid, like my mom always favored gas. And now that I do more cooking, you, I, I know why. Right. And the new electric too. stoves are, are better than they used to be. They heat up quicker. They, they, but mo- the hard part with the electric is they don't cool down as quick. Correct. Right? So when you are, like I am when I'm cooking, stuff's boiling over all the time because I'm not paying attention. Cut that heat. <laughs> <laughs> and <you're>, whoo, whoo. <laughs> right. Shoot. So I love my gas stove. I know a lot of folks like it. Chicago right now is at least toying with the idea of going all electric on future appliances, requiring that that is the case. How are they going to do that? Well, they want to follow New York down the path of banning natural gas stoves and kind of gas everything else, for that matter, in future construction. ABC's Lionel Moyes. Chicago is not the first big city to tackle this issue. In New York, gas and construction trade groups are suing to block a state ban on gas stoves and furnaces in new buildings. The first stage of the New York ban is set to take effect in 2026. So what are they doing in Chicago? The proposal is at the city council level. It would essentially outlaw natural gas hookups. So they don't ban the appliances or whatever, but in any new construction, they prevent the construction from having <laughs> from the hookups. being able to utilize yeah, the appliances. Exactly. So we're talking gotcha. furnaces, water heaters, other appliances, including stoves. That would require new buildings and homes to use electric over natural gas. Opponents say not so fast. They're calling for a study on the potential costs, especially if such a ban is eventually expanded to more buildings. Critics also question whether the electric company can handle the extra load. Isn't that a great question? You know, I bo- this bothers me all the time. Yeah, with the cars. You yes. think about that all the time. Yep. How are we going to handle everything getting plugged in in the future? We have nearly 300 million vehicles in this country already on the roads. 
And we're ultimately their forces that want to see all of those ultimately plugged in. Nobody wants to build power plants either on top of that. Newsflash for those folks who don't know, and I sincerely wonder whether some don't. Electricity is not magic. Right? It gets generated by a power plant somewhere, and it doesn't come out of the outlet in your wall. It comes from, wait for it, fossil fuels burning at power plants. So, you know, for starters, to say electric cars or electric heat or battery-operated lawn equipment, whatever, is not polluting, is not entirely accurate. You may not be polluting out of that particular appliance, but the power is still being generated somewhere. What about renewable energy? Yes, there is a portion of that. We're making inroads there. Just said the story, We Energy's launched that huge oh, solar yep. project in mm-hmm. Wisconsin, more wind projects, yep. and that is increasing. But right now in America, we're about 80% of our energy comes from fossil fuels, including that which you plug into the wall. So you can build windmills from now until we're dead. It's not going to make up that gap, at least in the short term. So the power and the energy is coming from somewhere. You look at California, they already really struggle with their power grid without already requiring mm-hmm. all electric vehicles and things like that. So I... Do people, like, have they thought this through? Well, so I, you've asked me that before, and I have a hard time, this is me being naive and ignorant, but I keep saying, yes, they've talked, because if if the three automakers, the big three in in, in Michigan have all said, yep, we're going to go to, what, by 2030? Or 35, the, I yeah, think, 35, is California's like requirement. Right. Yeah, but like, where they're going to just oh, start yeah. manufacturing just battery-powered cars, if the, if the... Big three are considering doing that or are already yeah. saying they're going to do that by a certain time within our lifespan. Aren't they also foreseeing that? Aren't I mean, you can't tell me that Chrysler's not thinking about that kind of stuff, that Ford isn't being like, okay, well, how are we going to power these things? Like they, <laughs> right? Like that's they, like not their problem. Yeah, but it <laughs> right? is their problem. You're not going to sell anything then. I guess, but if the... So I, I wonder whether people really understand where electricity comes from. I truly wonder that. <laughs> Magic. Somebody texted in uh, nuclear. Yes, that's a component. Um, agreed. And some folks are pushing for more nuclear. But again, try to build a nuclear power plant somewhere. <laughs> right? People right. go yeah. nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Any power plant. Nobody wants transmission lines either. Well, you're going to put it, hang the lines up. Like, we have to solve this problem if we're going to move into an increasingly electric society. That and I really like my gas stove. <laughs> and that's Chicago, but wait for it. It'll come here shortly. Business headlines are up next. Here's the Milwaukee Business Journal's Linda Spice.